Hi, you're listening to Stark Contrast, a Game of Thrones podcast at Movie Fail. I'm Soren Howe, and I'm here with Josh Rosenfield, and we're going to be talking about the sixth episode of season six of uh, Game of Thrones, uh, Blood of My Blood. So um, let's just start, we'll start with the title real quick. Uh, we assumed that this would have to do with, um, by the way, good title for this episode, uh, that this title would have to do with uh, the... Dothraki, because it's a fray, common phrase uh, with them. Um, but uh, it uh, turns out I had a lot of double meetings where there was a lot of family reunions and that type of thing going on. Yeah, so. it, meant, it, it meant less about the Dothraki than anything else in the episode, pretty much. Yeah, that is true. I mean, that's how it ended, but yeah, exactly. It was uh, There were more parallels with other storylines, for sure. Um, yeah, so overall, how did you how did you feel about this week? Um, definitely slow. Um, yeah. I found it weird. One thing I found weird that, you know, maybe we'll get to in more detail later, but um, there's a part early in the episode where they cut, uh, they like cut, they have a Sam scene and then they cut to something else and then they cut immediately back to Sam. And I, that struck me as kind of weird because normally the show is kind of bouncing around everywhere and it doesn't really, you know, if it'll, if it'll have a scene in the same location, if it'll have two scenes in the same location in an episode, it won't kind of have them bunch so close together uh right it'll like bookend it almost yeah yeah yeah. so this episode was a lot about was a lot to me about like kind of checking in on some of the smaller storylines uh advancing you know we have certainly some big moments in some but you know the, the sam and gilly stuff uh some of the minor king's landing stuff uh really the only big thing you know and i a lot of like extraneous stuff too like we check in with walter Frey for the first time in forever um so yeah so definitely a a lighter episode than we've had so far this season but not a bad one i don't think no not a bad one uh i think it was just hard for me you know i was trying to remember what happened uh just in talking to someone about it and i was like oh uh wait what happened this week again and <laughs> uh you know it was like one of those kind of moments where i was just sort of, it was hard to pinpoint because there's no major, I guess there's no real major thing. Although there are big things happen in this episode, it's just not, I don't know. It's sort of that, that kind of vibe where uh, there's the, there weren't that many noteworthy or I guess discussion-worthy moments, which is funny because we've had, um, I don't remember which episode it was, the one we really liked. Was that three or four? I think three. that was three. Three, yeah. yeah. We really liked that episode and a lot of stuff didn't happen in that episode. Uh, but it was, I don't know, directed better, edited better. Um, I think part of the problem is that this episode gets off to uh, a weird start. I don't know if, how you felt about this opening scene. Uh, so it sort of picks up right where the last episode ended. Uh, where, by the way, I don't usually watch the previously on, but in the previously on, did they really need to show like the entire scene all over again? Like, I don't remember the general gist of what happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's um, also not, like, directly relevant to anything that happened in this episode other than that they leave. So, no, yeah, they just want to remind they... you. Yeah. You know, that Hodor died. Oh, Hodor died. Oh, you know, it's like, okay. Yeah, okay, and exactly you know. how it happened. Um, But, yeah, so uh, so we meet up with, uh, with Mira and uh, Bran in the forest. And then we get introduced. Oh, so, and they're being chased by whites. Uh, who are coming after them? And Bran's um, having this vision. Still, He's right? Still in, like, oh, the true. State. Yeah. But the and vision. It's... Okay. So normally, I'm with you on the problematic editing, but I'm not like it doesn't bother me as much as it bothers you. 
oh my god, this is the worst edited scene maybe in the history of Game of Thrones. This is wow, so bad. That's, I, that's I, big talk. <laughs> I was so angry at this, and I'll tell you why when we get to when we get to just in just a second. But it was so frustrating because first of all, yeah, there's a vision. I mean, you really got to keep your editing clear, particularly when you're doing things like visions and flashbacks, and especially when it's not like flashbacks it's not like visions that are uh referring to things that are happening far across the world that were very distinct or like when we saw the the visions of winterfell that was very different than what was going on at the tree so you know you kind of it was easy to distinguish in this case the visions are just more white walker type things so in many cases and so it becomes difficult to figure out what you were even looking at and I'm also confused by the fact that we even needed visions in the first place in this case because it seemed like it seems like um, the the reason that uh, the the Night King is using the visions to figure out where Bran is is when he doesn't know where he is. But they he just they just left the tree, so don't they know? But I guess they they lost them in the blizzard. I don't. The, it was just bizarre to me, but it was also poorly edited, so it was difficult to follow what was going on for me anyway. I was it was bizarre um and then it got even worse in the action sequence i'm gonna disagree with you here actually there is something i like about the editing of these visions really that it drops in new information like really into kind of the franticness of the cutting uh most of it is stuff we've seen before but then it will kind of it'll drop in new stuff with and not and not not dwell on it in any particular way but just kind of so what, what was what was gone. new here that was important? Well, the big significant thing is that we see the Mad King and we see some oh, true, yeah, crazy yeah. stuff with the wildfire that presumably will, will, you know, revisit the significance of that. But it's the first time we've ever seen him. We see his death by Jamie. Um, the first time we've seen any of that stuff that, that's been so yeah, but that, significant. Yeah, but that's all just a deleted scene from the first season, doesn't it? I don't know. I, I Maybe some of it is, but definitely like the wildfire stuff, I think his death, I don't think is, I don't think is deleted. It could be. I think but they mix and mixed and matched. I mean, they still have the set, so it's not like you can't. Yeah, because we know. do know that stuff was filmed initially. Right, uh, they and do didn't it make the cut because they decided early on they didn't want to do flashbacks, and now they've changed their mind. And they're going but, back. <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> but well, it'll become a... more relevant as they want to do parallels to what happens, and as the Targaryens become relevant again, I'm sure they're going to yeah. want to do it. Well, I do think it's significant that we start the episode with this and we end with Daenerys because I get the feeling that Daenerys might. It's possible that Daenerys might be headed down a similar path herself. Um, so that may, that might be foreshadowing on that level, but interesting. Yeah. Well, yeah. so I will say this: I I think it might have helped to just this just occurred to me. Um, I think we I don't know if we liked the fact that they decided to not do this in the first season um, when we because we had talked about this in the past. Um, but I think tying the Mad King and the Targaryens into Westeros before. Jumping over to Essos with um, uh, Viserys and and Daenerys would have been helpful to link those two stories so that we're not like following because we follow Daenerys as soon as she gets to Essos so we don't have any real connection between them and the rest of Westeros. Now we do, I guess, with Tyrion and the rest of them. But it might have helped in the beginning to sort of draw that link. It's kind of funny that now they decided to do it because they were like, "Oh, hey, the finale is going to probably have Daenerys and Westeros, and it's going to seem kind of weird and out of place." But if we link them with this Targaryen, then it would have, you know, and we got little moments of that, like with Aemon and a couple of other characters, and maybe with Jon and, and that. But I don't know. It just it's funny to me that they decided not to do it because it seems so odd. And as we we've talked about in the first season, it was so weird to jump from those 
between those storylines. Um, yeah, that was a that was definitely a trouble early on when it wasn't it, because generally I think the show was pretty good about it not being really blatant about its exposition. Right. Um, especially when there was just so much of it. But I agree that it it was a little confusing, like in the early early days, uh, in terms of the connection between Daenerys and the the Mad King. Um, we obviously knew that they were related, and that uh, Daenerys and Viserys had to flee because Robert overthrew him. But I don't disagree that making that link a lot clearer through flashbacks or whatever might have kind of cemented the link between what Daenerys was doing early on and everything else that was going on before there were any other storylines, even in Essos. Yeah, just a small piece. I mean, and it's funny, I was going to say, it would be great if they just had a map, and then I realized every episode opens with a map. But uh, <laughs> but it's not like a an overview map, just a, a simple map of like these two pieces of land that are sort of next to each other, kind of like Middle-earth and the Undying Lands. <laughs> uh, but anyway, um, but very similar to that, where you have these two like continents that are next to each other, just to give a... And then the Narrow Sea and this, all these references just make a little more sense in context, because the way that the opening is, and it's so cool, but it, it like zooms over the land, so you don't really get an idea of things in lo- reference to each other. Yeah, if, if, the opening, you know? if the opening credits were all like a single unbroken shot, I think it would be a lot more helpful in terms of like actually placing where Maybe, yeah, is. sure. But yeah. the fact that there is kind of cutting in between these locations kind of, it makes it less helpful in terms of placing everything. Right, and, and it's more intent on being a cool opening, and that's totally fine. It's funny, we were criticizing the editing of the uh, opening credits. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's fine as it is. It's just, it it helped me one day when I just looked up a map of it, and I was like, oh, okay, so Estos is here, and Westeros is here, and okay, and it makes more sense on just figuring out where things are. Um, but in any case, we're sort of, uh, that's sort of beside the point, but it is funny, uh, and you, you pointed it out here, that the one time we get this connect, or the first time we get this real connection between uh, Jamie, Ned, uh, the Mad King, and all the rest of it, uh, to the Targaryens and to Essos, even just tangentially, um, is through Bran in season six. That's just it's funny <laughs> to me. Um, <laughs> but is that new information? I don't. I still don't know. And we all we knew all of that. I mean, we knew we knew about the Mad King. There's something with wildfire that we that suggested here that we is not really clear. There's a there's a there's an intimation that there is a lot of wildfire like in King's Landing because that we see like kind of stores of it I think. Um, yeah, but didn't kind we, of ex- we knew that? We did know that. Oh, that's right. We did know that. Obviously. Yeah. Um. So, but but I guess the more the significance in that case is that it's kind of reminding us of it and sure, maybe sure, implying that it's going to come up again. Right, and that's cool. And by the way, I'm all for visions being like a device to to do things like that, especially things they've left out of the show that they were like, oh. This is going to be relevant. We're going to want to bring this back. Little things like that. It's a great. It's a great tool because you can basically fit anything you want into it and be like, "It's a vision. It's okay." Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing I'll say uh, about this character and about the Three-Eyed Raven and that whole thing is the beginning of the show made the Three-Eyed Raven and all of Bran's sort of beginnings of his visions and his weird sort of dreams and things kind of surreal, and they're not really surreal anymore. They're just kind of. Things no, they're that very, very literal. <laughs> yeah, they're just things that happened in real life, and uh, that's kind of yeah. interesting. Um, the other thing that I find funny is now that Bran is has become quote unquote the three eyed raven, three eyed raven, he doesn't need to touch the tree to have visions, and yet the last three eyed raven like bound himself into a tree for some reason, and I'm still not entirely sure how that. I mean, yeah, the mechanics sense. of this are not like super clear. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> yeah, it's like I, I'm so I, I've become the so now I don't need to touch a root, the roots of the tree anymore. It's like, well, 
but then, but why? Okay, all right. Yeah, especially <laughs> since we knew that Bran could have these visions or connect to them in some way before he even got to the tree. Right. Well, and he's more power. I mean, maybe he's more powerful than the last three. Maybe he's, you know, uh, he's he's still learning, but maybe he's, yeah. you know. Well, the three eyed Raven's old fashioned. He doesn't want to give up his landline, but Bran's in a new generation, and he uses. Yeah. Wi-Fi. Yeah, I guess. You yeah, know, there's there, there's that sort of generational <laughs> divide. I, guess. I don't know. His roots in the community, the uh, the old. Uh, oh. <laughs> um, but I think uh, oh, Bran Bran me. wants to branch out, so I think we're. Oh no. He decided to leave. Oh. Okay. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Goodbye, oh. listeners. <laughs> that was so stupid. I'm so sorry. Uh, but I'm not really, though. I, we've been decidedly lacking on puns. That's uh, true. We have to make up recently. for lost time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so we've you know, got to really push. Um, in any case... So then we have this moment. So this is, uh, it's my understanding that this is something that kind of happens in the books or almost happens, or there's a reference to this character in the books. So, yeah, here's the thing about <laughs> this character. Um, in the books, there's a character named Cold Hands. Right. And Cold Hands is the character, he's this very similar character. He's kind of a white, but he has consciousness and he's an, he's a good guy, or at least, you know, he's a helpful guy. Mm. And he is the one who helps uh, Sam and Gilly make it back south of the wall. Oh. Um, cool. And I think he leaves right. Yeah, I think I think he actually leaves like right around the time that um. Or I don't remember if he travels with Bran. Maybe he does, but it's all before they get to the wall. Okay, that makes sense. I might even be misremembering if they if he's with Sam and Gilly, but I'm pretty sure he is. But in any case, he's you know, that's kind of his purpose in the story, and um, he's not. It's been a popular theory for a very long time that this character is Benjin, just because it makes sense. Mm-hmm because it makes a lot of sense. Mm. But I think we might have talked about this on the show as f- maybe it was this season or the end of last season. Um someone unearthed like a an early draft of the fifth book A Dance with Dragons with like editor notes in it and notes from George R. R. Martin. And at one point um there's a part where Cold Hands is mentioned and his editor writes a note that's like is 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 Cold Hands Benjin? And then <laughs> and then below that George R. R. Martin writes in his red pen, "No." No. Oh, <laughs> so, really? Um, that that's not obviously canon, you know. He could very well change that if he change wants that, to. Right, but right. that's as close to confirmation as we're going to get that that's not the case. Oh, that's funny. Um, but it's one of those things that uh, I like that the show did this because it makes perfect sense. It's weird. It, it makes it weird that in the books it's not Benjamin because, like, of course it is. It's like well, obviously you have my this, understanding you have... is that is that Cold Hands does interact with Bran and had, takes a very strong interest in him, but that he's so decayed and that 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 Bran, who also only saw him last when he was very young, wouldn't recognize him. And that's, the fact yeah, that that's he's kind so, of the he's so that's interested how you get around in it. Yeah, so it would would make sense. I mean, it, as soon as you and of course in the show they can't really do that. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, I knew I saw as soon as I saw those eyebrows in this first scene, I knew it was him. Oh, I knew it was him too instantly. I was like, <laughs> oh, it's it's Benjin. It's it's gonna be Benjin. Well, and we had talked I, about it in the past, I think. Yeah. Probably. I initially thought it was Benjin, but then, or no, I initially thought it was Cold Hands, but then when they showed it was, then when they showed his eyes, and I knew it was Benjin, I was like, oh, so I guess it's, they're not doing Cold Hands. But then at the uh-huh. end of the episode, it's like, oh, so he's just both in the show, and I like it because. Um, yeah, like I said, it's one of those things that it is a theory. It might not be true in the books, but the thing about Game of Thrones theories is that whether or not they come true, fans have so much time to construct them that they're just kind of unbreakable. Um, yeah, they don't have to come true, but it's they could, but they could absolutely be just given all of the evidence that's been compiled. Um, well, and as you pointed out, 
as you pointed out, this this season seems to be confirming a bunch of fan theories. So exactly, yeah, it's the same thing with Melisandre being, you know, very old. Um, technically, it's the same thing with John's <laughs> resurrection. <laughs> it, and but, it's um, the same thing with I think that they're, if they're going to do the Tyrion on a dragon thing, that also might. Uh, yeah, that's might possible be a thing. too. So um, the title of because you need a third, you need a third dragon rider, and I don't know who else it would be. So yeah, and he, Danny even references the uh, blood riders thing at the end of this episode. Oh yeah, which... very specifically. Yeah. Very specifically. So, um, um, yeah. And it, blood, it, blood. And blood of my blood and the rest of it. Yeah, it's all. <laughs> um, by the way, it's cool that Joseph Maul is still around and doing yeah, this. Right? I this had whole no thing. idea. It's weird that this wasn't spoiled in terms of like set pics because like John's yeah. resurrection was spoiled months ago because people had pictures of him on set. Um, so it's and they, they must well, have. This shot was like this, in like, a forest somewhere, so I don't know. Maybe. I it may, well, may, I think that they um, this this was maybe like on a soundstage and they kind of really. I wouldn't be surprised because it's all just like, you know, a few trees and a bunch of snow on the ground. I wouldn't be surprised if this was a sound stage in this town. And they could just kind of sneak him in the back door. Well, so true, and they're notice. always pumping snow in, and I'm sure they didn't shoot in a blizzard. That's true. Yeah. Um, so this uh, was a nice, so, well-hidden secret. Yeah, and it was well-kept. And also, I just like that this this actor was... I mean, I don't know if he knew this in the beginning, that he would ever really have an option to come back. Cause it could have been canceled. Anything could have happened. Even on HBO, that kind of stuff happens all the time. So he had to basically bide his time for five seasons waiting to come back and be in the <laughs> show, which is kind of crazy. He had like five seconds. He was cool. Had five seconds in the, like the first season and then just disappears and comes back in season six. That's that's uh, a... Yeah, to to that's play a, a much time. more significant role probably than he has in the past. Oh, yeah, totally. And it's going to be cool. And, and it's stuff that hadn't been written yet, so it was all very up in the air. That was... Yeah, it's interesting. Um, what's funny about that, though, is that they often do that and then cast people who are not good or not famous and then they replace them when they turn out to have relevance later or when the show goes further than the the creators yeah. thought and yeah, in this yeah. case they didn't replace like three eyed raven's a great example um and in this case they decided oh no we're uh we're just gonna go back and uh and bring back uh, the mention everyone knows and that's good and it's very important too especially with the starks changing one of the starks would be problematic yeah. i think well, they very rarely recast. The only like major recastings that I can remember are the Mountain and uh, Tommen, and obviously the Mountain. You know, he doesn't have many lines, and he's only recently, in recent seasons, become a big. And Marcella. Oh, she's. I mean, she's not that big, but she. You know, that's, but that's right, the same Marcella. thing where she became relevant later, and then they replace her. Exactly, but you know, for the most part, characters who kind of have small roles that become big. Like I remember Marjorie. Uh, I think Marjorie and Renly are like in one scene in season one, aren't they? Are they? I'm pretty sure they have one scene where they're like together, and she's like, "You should be king." Um, that no, I don't think it's in season one because they make some reference to Renly, but then I don't. Th- oh, maybe they are in season one. Honestly, I can't. Remember. Yeah, I think they are, and Stannis is the one they reference, and who doesn't show up? Oh, they reference two. Stannis. Okay. Yeah, but I it's just, yeah, it's just a great example of like they could have recast those actors once they actually became parts, but it's nice to have that continuity because when all of this show is collected one day and it's just a thing, um, it's nice to. It, well, like I said, it's nice to have that continuity and to not be. So the actors who, or the characters who did swap actors, are a little more out of place when you're watching it all back to back. Right, right, right. Yeah, when it when it's all together, um, or like with the children of the forest who got to redesign and and that kind of thing. Mm. Um, by the way, that it was the first season because they had that shave. I remember that shaving scene with the, uh, <laughs> yes, with, uh, yes, Sir Loris and and Renly. <laughs> I don't know why that sticks in my mind, but yeah, that was in the first season. In any case, uh, so the other thing that's kind of interesting about this character uh, with Benjamin coming back is that now, you know, the presumption was like John was the eldest and legitimate Stark heir. And it's not that I think Benjamin 
could just walk in as a half zombie and take over, but he is <laughs> he is the senior most stark male person technically, right? So it leads you to believe either he's going to go, I can't go back beyond the wall again and just wander off into the distance, or he's going to have some epic showdown and die fighting a White Walker or something. Yeah, I could see I, either happening. I assume that would it's probably gonna certainly happen. the latter would be very cool. We've seen he's got some, um, some combat skills as we in the opening scene of this episode, right. which is he's learned how to kill whites. He's clearly got a, a some, some yeah proficiency there. I don't know if he's figured out how to kill white walkers, but uh, well, yeah, the only unless he has dragon glass or um, Valyrian steel, I, who knows if he even can. Yeah, and I don't know that Bran and Mira know they've done it. But I don't know if they know why it worked or if they can figure that out. But if they could, it would be cool for him to know that because, you know, it's not going to work otherwise. Um, if I were the three-eyed raven, that would be like the first thing I told Bran. <laughs> I, honestly, yes, but, you know, I don't know. And, yeah, and they do know. have that whole conversation about how Benjen was saved by an, like by a obsidian dagger. So they clearly know the significance of Dragonglass. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, the last thing I'll say, okay, so this is about the editing of the scene. This action, okay, so if the visions and the franticness, whatever, the, the, the real problem I had was the, it's this initial scene, and I understand it's supposed to be disorienting because you're supposed to be, I guess, I don't know, in the perspective of Mira and Bran and not knowing what's going on. Um, but you know what I actually, what I immediately thought of? Lord of the Rings, The Hobbits, <gasps> when uh, the, the Aomir and uh, yes. Rohirrim show up and slaughter yes. all the Urukai. That scene is edited fantastically. <laughs> you know where things are. Basically, you know where you know where the hobbits are going. You don't know where the horses all are and where all the knights are, but you know where the hobbits are, and you know where they're going. And you have it's all perspective shots, and they make them look very small. It's brilliant, and I understand it's a multi-million dollar movie, hundreds of millions <laughs> of dollars. Um, but in this scene, I actually it was so bad. I thought there were two riders. <laughs> I, I honestly did because he has the fireball thing, you know, the bolo thing, and then he has like the sickle, and then he has the fire bolo again. I'm like, oh, so these are two different people, and then I because I've been thinking, oh, this is Benjen, and I was like, oh, it's Benjen and somebody else, or he has a little troop of people, or maybe this is all of the. I that's actually what I thought, and then later when they have the scene, you know, where they're sitting around the fight, it's just Benjen. I'm like, oh, that scene was literally just edited so badly. I thought there were more than one. There's more than one person here, and I don't. Sometimes you get that kind of thing in a book where you can be like, you know, Bran wasn't sure if there was like more than one, <laughs> you know, because he was so out of it or Mira was confused or whatever. But it does in the show, it just looks weird. And I really I mean, that's really what I thought was going on. And there's confusing editing. There's like, I don't know where things are. I can't see the choreography, which is annoying. And then there's literally conveying the wrong thing to me. And I don't know. To me, it really irritated me so i was i was not well, I into well but then you know was it conveying the wrong thing to you because you admit that it's it's it is putting you in brandon mirror's perspective to some extent yeah but i mean that's like me saying you know i i know you hate the winter soldier you know and saying well it's frantic you know so that's why there's all these quick cuts and you know that's but there's good versions of that and then there's bad versions of that you know there's born and then there's you know attempted born and it sometimes it just doesn't work um so anyway i i wasn't into it but again there are examples of a perspective sort of thing where you really get and it's not just size not just the hobbits are small but there is this direct very similar parallel and i think that they do it much better in in that setting and that's just camera work that's not necessarily effects or the rest of it um so i i i I wasn't into this and it and it didn't really click until later when we see them again and it's revealed that it's benjamin and i was like oh so there's only one one person all right well then. 
<laughs> the other thing that's going to be kind of funny is if they're going to try and shoehorn in his nickname because he already knows he's Benjamin. Yeah. That'll be funny. Apparently, I didn't watch it, but I, from what I understand, they do call him Cold Hands Benjamin in like the inside the episode thing. Oh. So, that, but uh, yeah, who knows if that'll actually be said in the show. Probably not, I would imagine. Hmm. Interesting. All right. Well, I, whatever. I, I just... Because uh, they have no reason to call him anything but Benjamin. They don't. They don't. That would just be... Or or if they encounter people he's encountered and they only know him as that, then that's also possible. That's that's possible. That'd be cool. And by the way, it would make sense. It's cool that if he has a nickname, it'd be on the wall, not because I think the nickname's cool, but because it would make sense for him to conceal his identity for various reasons. Being a lord mm. beyond the wall is probably not the most useful. I know he's a, a Night Watch, uh, Night's Watch guy and all the rest of it, but... um. I think it's it would be good if he uh, concealed his identity, as most of the Starks have done, uh, for various reasons. <laughs> um, in any case, so uh, then we go to Sam and the Tarleys. I would love to know your opinion on these sequences. Um, so I still like Sam and Gilly in like a new environment. I'm I'm digging this. I will say that. Yeah, I, well, I really like seeing certainly Gilly in the new environment. Um, oh, yeah, absolutely. Who's yeah. totally unfamiliar with anything like this. Um, seeing her in a new outfit was, <laughs> was interesting for the, you know, for the first time That was interesting, in the yeah. Um, you know, I liked these scenes. Yeah. But as we'll get to, it bothers me that we get away from them so quickly. Well, we have you know what whole, I mean? We have a lot of moments there, we, and we come back to them. Um, we do. I, I mean, I'm talking, I guess, more about the end of this storyline. Oh, okay. Um, it bugs me that we, you know, because I remember it was a. I was really excited last year when the kind of the casting, uh, the casting call leaked for uh, the Tarly family, and I was like, oh, we're gonna get scenes at, you know, Sam's home, and it's that's gonna be how interesting is that gonna be? But like, it doesn't really go anywhere. It's just kind of a reminder that Sam's dad hates him. Yeah. Um, and I guess I guess you can say that like you know the scene later where he takes the sword is kind of him, is his rebuke of that, and it's. Uh, progression but really it's just like it's kind of just a pit stop on the way to where we already knew sam was going right and it's also um, like a poor man's mulan and also it's like what is he going to use yeah. that sword he doesn't use <laughs> he doesn't use swords anyway that's so true kind of that was yeah that was kind of just you know a symbolic it's like bigger than him um <laughs> <laughs> we can get to that a little bit later the other thing i'll just say generally about the tarleys is that uh it all feels kind of like weird tropey 18th 19th century i'm pre- any historian or architectural historian listening to this is going to just be beside themselves uh, with how inaccurate I'm being right now. But it felt like I was watching, you know, Pride and Prejudice. You know that really good one on PBS on Colin Firth? Yeah, um, yeah. That was great. That was, but it, that's what it looked like. That's what it felt like. And then, you know, just to make it even more um, on the nose, you know, women don't hunt the dad and the, I guess his brother, I guess that was his brother, are kind of like bros and they're kind of racists and everything's <laughs> about honor and dishonor to the family and the rest of it and it's just i don't know it all felt like bits and pieces of other things without feeling most places even dorn feel like dorn sucks but at least it feels like a weird resort you know which is a weird thing to throw into the middle of a medieval fantasy um but this was just kind of dull i don't know i didn't find it it, it felt it felt a lot like uh just your like a generic um, uh, uh, romantic period drama than anything else, and it just wasn't that. Yeah, it was. I'll I'll agree with you there. You know it was what I mean? Really, really generic. Yeah, and it was too bad because I just felt like I don't know. This is in the books, right? So they had an option no. to do literally anything, and they said, you know, let's just 
whatever. They'll just be sexist and racist and just what you would expect, you know, whatever. <laughs> Even the outfits, it, it, like it, it, I'll say this, it looks unique in that universe, but it looks very generic if this was a Jane Austen novel. Yeah, well, it's like, <laughs> it doesn't really, here's my thing, it's like, it, the, I think the show thinks that it's, that this scene is significant to Sam's character, but what does this really say about Sam's character that we don't already know? We already knew this about his family and how that, you know, has impacted him. We already know that he's different now in terms of being a bolder, braver person. So, like, this really... It's not, like, progress in terms of who he is, or certainly not in terms of who Gilly is. Nothing's really changed for them mm. after this. It's, it's like, a, you know, it's, it's just kind of a, a pit stop. And I like these scenes in isolation, I guess. Um, if he had left her behind, know, it might have been significant, but he did That's what I so... thought was going to happen. Well, what's funny is during these scenes, I was kind of like, you know... Wow, this you know this season is all kind of it's all about ditching the status quo, mm. um, and it's interesting you know separating Sam and Gilly is a really kind an interesting of, move, yeah. Yeah, it's a turning point for for this you know storyline. But then he <laughs> runs back and we'll get to that later because this is you know in terms of the episode, this is just the beginning of it. But right, right. right? Well, but yeah, I mean it, that basic idea of just. But then they might have had two storylines to jump back and forth between. And well, then, I, yeah, you know. I, I assumed that they would just drop Gilly off and we wouldn't hear from her again for a while. Oh, you but. know what's funny, though? I would rather watch that than see... I mean, I might we get one or two scenes of Sam like discovering something important as he tries to become a maester. Um, but meanwhile, Gilly trying to navigate, you know, lordly life. Well, that kind of could have been interesting. Or if there's something about the kid that we figure out or something interesting, mm-hmm. that could have been kind of cool. But, you know, like I said, it didn't really come to anything, so... Um, but in any case, uh, so yeah, we have this brief moment where he meets, um, where Sam and Gilly meet uh, his mom and his sister, and that was sweet, and I, I liked it. Um, I like, uh, and I liked, you know, and I, I like, I like Sam nervously, sort of. He's, you know, he's petrified of what's going to happen bringing Gilly home, and uh, you know, the whole, the whole moment plays. You can see the whole time they're having a conversation that he's looking out for his dad because he's terrified of his dad showing up and that whole thing. And so I don't know. I thought I, I did like this, this, this first scene, uh, and uh, and overall I did like this. I just thought it was a little tropey. Um, but in any case, so back to uh, then we cut to to uh, King's Landing, and we get a whole scene with Tommen and Marjorie. Is it just me or like? What is with this room? I'm not... Yeah, I can't... I don't like it. <laughs> we have a scene in this tiny random room, like, every episode. <laughs> and it's so bizarre that you really couldn't afford to build another set. Listen, no Ramsey, no Dorn. No Ramsey, I mean, well, yeah, right, no I should count Dorn. my blessings, but... Count your blessings, yeah. <laughs> uh, and that's doubly relevant because we're talking about, you know... The sparrows and seven. Um, oh yeah, but, and at least there's some progression in this storyline this week. You know, minor though. Progression, ish. Um, yeah. kind. We'll of, get to that yeah. at the end, but. Um, yeah. So, so I do have a question. Uh, are you assuming, as I am, that Marjorie is playing everyone? Oh, totally. Okay. Yeah, I would. I would be shocked if, especially since, given what you know, where we last saw her with Loris, it would. It would utterly shock me if she was, if this any of this was genuine. It seems to me that she's definitely make any like, sense. Yeah. making a play, and you know, maybe, and you know, maybe I think she's determined that, like, I wouldn't be surprised if she got to the point where she was like, "All right, my family is clearly useless. Mm. They can't get me out of here. Maybe siding with the sparrows is the way to kind of uh, advance myself, because since that's what it's always, you know, 
all about for her, obviously, and you know, well, we're <laughs> you gonna... know for everyone in King's Landing. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if that was her thought process. Like, all right, I'm done with my family. They're they're completely useless. Um, if I kind of side with the Sparrows, at least I won't be rotting in prison. Well, we're going to have to talk about the Tarleys. I mean, sorry, uh, the uh, Tyrells in a minute, because... Uh, wow, what? Uh, very confusing. Uh, their arc has been bizarre for me this season. <laughs> um, I agree. So, yes, I do think she's playing everyone, including Tommen. Uh, although I do find it a little weird that she said, you know, it, that this is her play, because if you're what you're saying... Um, and I th- I agree with you. I do think is, but I just find it weird that she had a, basically an army ready to kill the sparrows and just do away with this whole situation, and she, like so that was an out for her, and she decided no, I'm going to continue pretending to be religious, and I, I don't know why you would do that in that situation. The high sparrow clearly has an agenda and his own thing going on. He's never going to be a team player, so I don't really understand. Uh why she wouldn't allow whatever happened to happen with it with her her uh, her parents and and her army it's it just the whole thing seems kind of odd to me well i don't know if she wants to side against tommen you know the king at that uh, point. because he well but he she's the one who sort of convinces him i mean that's what that's what this high sparrow says a little bit later is that tommen was brought into the light by marjorie right right so she convinced him she could have said Listen, just play it cool. By tomorrow, we I don't won't know have if she could have at anymore. that point said, "Hey, you know, never mind about that stuff I said." <laughs> no, but she didn't need to say that in the first place. Is what I'm saying. She could have just been like, uh, "Yeah," but she didn't know that they were going to bring an army to the foot of the Sept. I don't think she knew that until she saw it because she's she been in prison. She didn't look remotely surprised. <laughs> I mean, she's good at a game, she's... Fa- putting on a game face. I get that. Yeah, I but... think she's playing it cool at all moments, but I don't think she knew that that was going to happen until mm. it happened. Yeah. Okay. So I. But still, I mean, like, then that's the other thing. What, you, it literally, in all of King's Landing, you couldn't get one kid to go and run past the window and just whisper in the jail cell? Or, I don't know, there had to be a way of communicating that message and being like, just hold on till tomorrow and everything will be fine. We'll just get you out. Um, That's true. That would have been, a, you know, obviously we know that, you know, Kyburn is has the Varys' little birds yeah. uh, at his beck and call. Yeah. And even if you didn't, just point. get literally anyone, anyway, give him like one coin and just be like, go run past the window and say the thing. Or, or anything. I don't know. There has to be a way to get a message to someone if you need to. I know that they have it on lock and key, but there, there still are windows. windows we know. There's windows. Yeah, exactly. Maybe it's on a mountain. Maybe it's guarded. I, I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. It's just, it seems funny to me that there always seems to be a way to get something to someone. I mean, even like, remember when Ned is thrown into the dungeon and clearly he's not supposed to have visitors and Varys still manages to walk in and talk to him and, you know, I don't know. In any case, um, so yeah, so we have this brief moment uh, here where I'm sort of assuming that Marjorie is is playing everyone, and then we immediately cut back. You're right to uh, to Sam, um, and uh, yeah, so this uh, this moment where he takes the sword, I mean, I, we kind of you see it coming, but I still, I, I guess it's sort of a symbolic thing because again, I really don't see what the point of it is. The only thing I can imagine is that it is it's Valyrian. Up that it's a Valyrian steel, yeah. and we know that that can kill White Walkers. So maybe Sam will bring that back to the wall, and it's you know tracking the what, how much Valyrian steel there is in the world could be important. I guess. I guess I just don't know who it would go to. Maybe that'll become like maybe it'll become Sam's sword, or maybe it'll become like Jamie's sword, or some random. I don't know. I honestly don't know what their plan is for this. Um, by the way. When we get to Jamie a little bit later, just going back to your Dragonfire thing, I just this just occurred to me. Bringing Jamie away from King's Landing might be significant if 
bad stuff's about to happen in King's Landing. Like if Dragonfire uh, or Wildfire, or whatever, becomes a big uh, problem, and or like the whole place blows up, um, Jamie may end up being one of the remaining like Lannisters or characters that come out. That's of That's true. Landing. Yeah, I think it's. Uh, yeah, we'll, I'll, we'll get to that. I also have some thoughts on on Jamie getting away from King's Landing and where he's going. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, um, one last thing I want to bring up about Sam. His brother is named Dickon. <laughs> just wanted to make sure we talked. I think you've told me. I, I think you told me that in the past, and it's still hilarious. Uh, it's, it's it's good. Wow. I you know sometimes I feel like George R. R. Martin is just sort of messing with people. No, he definitely like smirked his ass off when he wrote that. Well, when you have so many characters, you know, I I would definitely <laughs> like ninety five percent of my characters would be puns. There's no question. <laughs> Um, but they'd be like obscure puns or things you only hear if like you say it a certain way and other ways you don't you don't hear it. Mm-hmm. Um, but in any case, so uh, then we go to uh, we see more of the play. Uh, yes. We go to Arya and we see more of the play that we saw last episode. Uh, yeah, the uh, yeah. the death of Joffrey. Yeah, the death of Joffrey. So this was interesting. I find this play interesting because if you don't accept that Joffrey and Tywin were good people. Tyrion almost comes out like the hero of the play, which is funny because they give him credit for things he didn't actually have anything to do with, like poisoning Joffrey. I mean, he, as mm. far as we know, he didn't have any part in that. So, um, and I think he's made it pretty clear he didn't have any part in that. Um, but like, he kills two huge jerks. Uh, you know, Tywin sucked. He wasn't nearly as bad as Joffrey, but Joffrey was awful. Uh, it only works if you buy the propaganda that you're, and that's I think partially what's interesting about this is that Arya is laughing when Joffrey dies. Yeah, she and knows no one else is. And no one else is. But Arya is also maybe seeing Tyrion in a different light as a result. Well, I don't know, because I feel like I feel like if you're Arya and you're watching this and you know how Joffrey how um Joffrey and Tywin actually are, mm-hmm. um, and they're being portrayed in a very, very positive light in this play, I think you have to assume that I think you're exactly right. I think you have to assume that Arya is seeing Tyrion as the good guy, even if even if she accepts that, you know, Tyrion was as sinister as he is made out to be. Mm. He did like in her mind's in her mind a good thing by killing these people. Right, exactly. Truly, and, and she's people. certainly no stranger to taking you know murderous revenge on people she doesn't like. So I, I have to imagine that she is seeing. I don't remember. I don't think she ever interacted with Tyrion that I can remember. She did maybe in season one. Uh, well, season one they came to King's Landing and Tyrion was there. So yeah, I mean they saw each other, saw each other, but I don't think they had any. Interaction, but um, I think Tywin was on her. Was Tywin on her list? Yes, I, I think he was. So Tywin was on her list, and so was um, Joffrey, Joffrey for sure. Course, so, yeah. uh, you know, Tyrion basically did what she was wanted to do anyway. So yeah, I mean, there you go. I think uh, that could be interesting, and I actually think that they would. That'll be an interesting pair up if they ever end up interacting at some point in the future. Yeah, although we don't get her reaction to Tyrion's uh, how Tyrion treats Sansa in the play. Oh yeah, we which don't. Is, which and, is but an that may also be mission. significant that they chose yeah. not to. Cause, yeah, because uh, you know, obviously, there's uh, the the it's it well doesn't suggest it kind of outright states that he rapes her. Yeah. Um, which of course, if you see Tyr- if the people are predisposed to seeing Tyrion as a monster, of course, that's what they assume was happening. When and again, his, the exact opposite. And again, his reputation is you know. Yeah, it's very lecherous. But yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, it's, it's it is in retrospect weird that we don't see her reaction to that and. You know, it, maybe she's just not taking any of this play as genuine. I think that's probably fair. Maybe not, but, but she they, she did say she saw it three times, and of course it was for other reasons. But yeah. she still saw, sat through it. She was not like 
scoping the place out while she was watching. She was actually watching the play. So, um, I do find it a little funny that she goes through her plan after they get off stage and the play ends. Why wouldn't you do it while they're all on stage? That's true. Right? Wouldn't that be the smart time to do it? Instead, she watches yeah. the play and then like, oh, yeah, now that everybody can see me, I'm going to walk back. Well, maybe it's easier to slip backstage when there are other people like maybe yeah, around. Yeah. But she doesn't um, like go in with a crowd. She just walks in and they're like, yeah. I've seen you before. I mean, the, I guess the, you know, the, I guess the obvious answer is that um, if we're going to see the play happen, maybe she has to be there because it's from her perspective. Mm. But I mean, yeah, there's no really, there's really no reason you couldn't have watched. It would have been maybe a weird... It would have come across as weird in the editing, maybe, but it is a little weird that uh, you couldn't have had her go backstage and we watch the rest of the. No, actually, no, you would, because you would have had to cut back and forth. I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Or she could have watched it from backstage. I mean, there's like, yeah, there's there's ways that it it could have worked for sure. I, I don't know. I just find it funny. I, it just occurred to me that I was like, why would you do that? Um, I love oh, the play. Also, the play also sneaks in a great line from the books. Um, the last line of the Tyrion chapter where he kills Tywin is um, Tyrion it occurs to Tyrion that uh, Tywin Lannister did not in fact shit gold and obviously because that's a thing he thinks you can't really get that in right. in that scene but they managed to get it in in the play version and oh, I, very that smart. made me happy that's cool the other thing that um, who says that is that Richard E. Grant who says that or a different character um, in the play it's whoever's playing uh, Tyrion Oh, it's over plays Tyrion. Okay. So Richard E. Grant um is in this as uh I don't even remember what the he plays some character in the in the play. Um he's a fantastic actor and I like him a lot. He had like almost no lines in this and I was very frustrated by that. Oh yeah, by the way, um I can't believe we didn't mention last week the uh, main actress, what's her name? Um The one she's Lady supposed to Crane, kill. Yeah. Uh played by Essie Davis from the Baba Duke. Oh well, I haven't seen the Babadook, so I wouldn't. Oh, <laughs> you're excused then. <laughs> but I'm, but I'm not because no, you're I not, love especially the Babadook. Since I think you reviewed it, and then also yeah. talk about it all the time. So yeah, and she's phenomenal in that movie. And at the, all of the last week and this week, I was like, God, that actress looks so familiar. <laughs> um, and it wasn't until after that I that I realized it was her. But yeah, it's. I mean, I, I, I mean, I'll tell you this. this: I did notice she was. I thought she was a good actor in this. Like she stuck out to me, um, and I thought it was. Uh, yeah, so I sh- I figured she must have been famous or had some, um, uh, you know, she must have been in something else before this because she was, you know, sort of the, she's the highlight of this troupe, uh, for sure. And in the show, like in the context of the narrative, she's supposed to be the really good actor also out of them, mm-hmm. um, which is funny. And it's also funny, by the way, just not to get back to Richard E. Grant again, but like his back when he was in With Nail and I, which is my favorite movie, uh. I don't know why I throw that in there, but it's true. It's my favorite mm-hmm. movie. So in that movie, he plays an actor, and then like his shtick is overacting. And in this, he's still he's playing sort of that similar character. Uh, it's just a, sort of to me a kind of a funny callback to his uh, to like the role. I would argue was a big jumping off point for his career. Um, so it's just kind of funny in that regard. Uh, so, but I do want to talk about this. So Arya makes a decision here not to kill Lady Crane. Yeah, and well, I will say, which I guess we saw coming, but. Well, I don't know when when this when it happens when she knocks the drink out of her hand. I was like, I, I rolled my eyes and I kind of groaned. I was like, Ugh, are we really gonna have to do this again? Because <laughs> this is like the you know, fifth millionth time this has happened. And um, but then but then it's like, oh no, this storyline's actually going somewhere all of a sudden. Uh, she goes back and gets. I was you know fist pumping when she pulls needle out of the rock. That was awesome. Yeah. 
that was a big moment and it was a moment and i think that's you know there's a moment where she looks in the mirror i think that was a moment of her trying to you know figure out who she is a moment that wouldn't have worked if she had a face on by the way um Mm -hmm. so that was kind of cool and so but i like this uh i like that i like the idea of her going back and doing her thing um i like the idea of her becoming an actor if that was that's not going to happen but it was kind of a cool or maybe it will i don't know i don't know where she's going but um they sort of imply or they have that she has that conversation with lady crane which i guess was just supposed to make her sympathetic um i don't know and also i think she also didn't like the reason that she was killing this person because she felt it was just jealousy and stupid and why would you do that yeah um she felt like she had really good reasons for the people she wanted to kill uh but so there was that and then i but also the idea like i thought it would have been kind of cool if she had uh you know, it's sort of a way of doing the faceless man thing where you if you become an actor, you have access to costumes and all the rest of it without being a faceless man. So you don't have to serve the many face God and the rest of it. That kind of could have been a cool idea. Um, and the reason I say that is that instead what we get is what looks like her taking needle back right, right from where she put it and being in the exact same spot she was when she started this entire stupid thing last, was it season five? She yeah. literally, literally nothing has changed in her life. She didn't learn to fight better. As far as we know, she still gets her butt kicked. Now she has the waif after her. Now she has the faceless men after her in general. They just don't like her. She didn't learn anything. She doesn't know how to do f- different faces. She doesn't know how to... All, all she knows how to do is like walk around and sneak up on people. And But she's done that in the past, and she's killed people in the past. So I really don't know what the faceless men did for her in any way, shape, or form, or what this entire diversion was about. Yeah, this this moment seemed to me like the show kind of throwing up its hands and saying, all right, we tried to make this storyline work um, right, right, for a right. season and a half. It really hasn't gone anywhere, so you know what? Forget it. We're calling it off. She's getting the sword back. She's just going to go do more cool stuff instead of this. But you know what's funny about that? It would have worked so well, because they, they, they probably felt like, we don't know what George R. R. Martin's doing. He hasn't told us, and we don't know, and we don't have any access to that material, so we don't know what's going to happen. So we can't Well, what's funny that. is that... Y- this the play stuff is based on. I think we talked about this. It's based on a, you know, chapter from the Winds of Winter that's been released. Right, right. And in in that chapter, she completes her mission. She kills. It's not an. It's not an actress. It's someone who's attending the play. Oh. And she's disguised. She's actually disguised as one of the performers in the play. She's wearing a face. Oh, and she kills the person. And she kills the person. Oh my um, gosh. So that sto- certainly that story. Sorry, spoiler very alert for the books. If you haven't read that chapter. <laughs> oh yes, yeah, for a book that hasn't come out yet. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah. So definitely very different. Uh, well, that's direction. cool cuz it'll make the books very different cuz uh, clearly she's going in a different direction in that regard. But what they could have done in the sh- the show if you're going to just neglect the books or just do your own thing, why couldn't you just say um you you, you have free reign to do whatever you want. So what I would have done personally, I'm not a I'm not a storyteller. I don't know what I'm doing, but it just would have made sense to me if you did something like, oh, she goes and learns how to steal faces or use faces so that she can use all those skills and become really talented as an assassin, but not be beholden to the many face god or to the to the um to the guild. She could do whatever she wants. And so she would have all those skills without being, you know, stuck in this in this rut. And so I think that would have been really smart. So it, it, it does advance her and her abilities and the rest of it. But you know, a, a Maisie Williams doesn't seem to age, and B nothing happened narratively really with her in this situation except for that she decided she wants to actually be a Stark, and so now she's leaving, uh, basically where she started. And I just find that, yeah, I, I mean, silly. I I I guess what I assume the purpose of this is really is to keep her away from Westeros for a while, because I assume that she's going to go back there and she's going to have you know 
a point or you know a role to play in whatever is going to happen in Westeros maybe next season or oh, later sure, this yeah. season. Um, so really, I think what they were going for is they wanted to they have to have, give her something to do before any of that happens and keep her away from the main action. So for what, a is while. she going to go up to Marine or something? Um, I hey maybe yeah anything could happen at this point but well, she could run know. into the because we don't know what the Greyjoys are doing so she could run into yeah. them too. Well, what's funny is in the books it's intimated it's that um that uh, Balon is killed by a faceless man. Oh right right right. So yes. um that, that that's possible. What I would have loved is if she had completed her training and it would have been like uh so you got your first contract you have to go kill Cersei Lannister or something like that. Right yeah that could have been interesting. But and then she has to kind of. You know, she's performing her role as a faceless man, uh, but she has is put into a position where she has to do that, but it's also wrestling with who she knows she is. Right, right, right. Exactly. Yeah, that could have been interesting. Like I said, there were a lot of ways to do this. It just feels sort of anticlimactic. Um, the other thing is, why does the Waif want to kill Arya? Yeah, she's well, she's always just seemed to hate Arya for some reason. Presumably because, like I think Jacken said, maybe she resents Arya for coming from like the upper class and... Um, maybe the wave sees her as like one of those, um, you know, when like, uh, super, super rich, like college kids, uh, take selfies of themselves, like, uh, volunteering at a homeless shelter or something. She felt, I think that's how she sees Arya. It's like, you're not one of, (laughs) you don't belong here. You're super, you know, you gave up a life of luxury for, for no reason. We had nothing. Right, right, right. Although um, you might argue it's it's more significant to give up your entire life and whatever. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Um, on the other hand, you could say she gave it all up because she was on the run and they were trying to kill her. So it's not exactly. really that impressive because you know she had no yeah. real options. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just thought it was funny, uh, and I, I find it funny that the waves like itching to kill her, and now she's going to go after. Her, and I'm sure Arya is going to kill her, and you know whatever. Yeah, well, I'm mean, I mean, I am excited for their showdown. If only so, it will be the final end of that storyline. Well, we get to see them spar again, but this time to the death. You know. Mm-hmm. With really sharp sticks this With time. With really sharp sticks, yeah. <laughs> um, actually, if they if they fist fight to the death, the, I will be thoroughly, I'll thoroughly enjoy that because we don't get those very much in the show, and it could be interesting to watch. Um, <laughs> and I, like I said, that was one of the few times I liked uh, their fighting was when they just got rid of their weapons and started punching each other. Um, I don't know why I feel that way; just the way I feel. So uh, there's no there's no demonstrable reason for it. Um, <laughs> so uh, then we get this uh, the Tyrells show up in King's Landing. Yeah, and um, Marjorie's dad is like a parody of a parody. God, I can never remember his name. <laughs> like the character's what? name. Yeah, what is his name? Mr. Um, Tyrell. Mr. Tyrell. <laughs> yeah, Mr. Tyrell shows up and gives a really goofy speech to his troops, and I love that he he looks over at Jamie like mm, very serious, and you Jamie is like so close to rolling his eyes. Oh my God, tell. he's so done with it. Yeah, that's <laughs> that was really. Fun. I liked. The, that whole thing is, I don't know, it's weird. I don't know, it's incongruous. It doesn't seem to have anything that was going, uh, anything to do with what's going on, but it is amusing. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, and I like, you know, and it's cool to see them showing up. By the way, this is another example of, uh, what, two episodes ago they talked about this and now it's actually happening. Right. Um, an army shows up in the city. Great, good. I was hoping <laughs> for people to die, but all right, I guess this is the best we're going to get. And so they sort of show up and have this showdown. Um, I liked Elena like fanning herself as this whole thing's happening. <laughs> like she's irritated and bored with what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing I'll say is after the high Sparrow says his thing and we could talk about all that. I just want to say about Elena and then the Tyrells uh, when she, I think it's, I don't know who leans over to her is like, what's happening. 
Is it yeah, Jamie? it's her husband, I think. Her husband, what's happening, right? And she says we were played or we lost. Yeah, like we lost. We lost. And she seems like upset. And I'm sitting here going, you've sat out for months this yep. entire situation so you could bicker on the small council about I don't even know what while your daughter and son were in prison. Why are you surprised by any of this? And again, going back to the arc of the Tyrells, she was behind the entire regime regime change, the regicide, all the rest of it that led to this situation. And then she what, just stopped being in charge of anything, stopped masterminding anything. It's so bizarre to me that she would be so complacent in all of this uh, and not seem to have any plan whatsoever. She was a mover and a shaker and then became a, you know, a boring aristocrat with no intentions or desires or anything when her literally her children are at stake. I, it was very yeah. weird to me. Well, it's all, I don't know if you remember at, at the tail end of last season, there was a scene with her and Littlefinger where he says, like, I brought you a gift, a handsome young oh, man. Oh, yeah. Where where did that? What? Ha- what? what? <laughs> <laughs> that Watch that come out come of up. nowhere. Like they'll do a previously on, and we'll be like, "Oh, I guess we're gonna get an answer to this story." Yeah, because you would think that you know this seems to be well. I you know it's clearly not the end of this storyline, but it's a, for the Tyrells definitely a climactic moment in this storyline. It's bizarre to me that that hasn't come up yet. Well, didn't you think that was gonna be Loras or something? I thought it was gonna be uh, Gendry. I think or Gendry. Well, Gendry would make sense, but again, also Gendry just. Whatever, just disappeared. Mm-hmm. Whatever, I, you know. Yeah. There's a lot of weird things. I and mean, that's going to happen in the show, and I understand that. And it's also pretty, I mean, I don't want to say realistic because it's a show and you shouldn't show every random thing that happens in this universe. Um, but it's kind of cool when not everything has a point or a purpose necessarily. It's just sort of um, a real thing that happened and did motivate. I mean, the Gendry thing didn't motivate an entire plot line. So if he doesn't show up again, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. But again, like, that's a whole plot line. And then, but it is weird to end an ep- uh, uh And I wonder also how much of it was they thought they would be able to get more out of George R. R. Martin than he's willing to give them. Um, And I think that, and also his desire to seemingly publish chapters or snippets of things that directly contradict the show, make it seem like he doesn't want the showrunners to have an inside track on anything unless except for like the major moments. So yeah. it's kind of, it's kind of funny to me to see this. So that may have been a, a holdover of something that they thought they were going to be able to pull up that they couldn't. That's po- That's a good point. That's possible. I'm just guessing you, though. I don't know. But I mean, the, the show is generally so tightly constructed and I have faith that the, when the show ends, we will, you know, we'll be able to look back at it and see that, uh, you know, for all of these, you know, this myriad, uh, of characters and storylines and everything like that. We'll be able to look back and see, and look, nothing was really dropped. And we get two examples in this episode of that. We get Benjamin coming back, and we get Walter Frey coming back. True, yeah. Um, so it, Although, the, be... I mean, the why, I'll say about the phrase, why are they in it anymore? They don't need to be yeah. in the show. And well, yeah, that, that's coming right up, so we'll talk about that yeah. more, but yeah. Um, I wouldn't have been sad if that was dropped. But Gendry, I mean, that the whole thing is that he is a Baratheon. I mean, that's a pretty significant thing, I would argue. He's um, like the last Bar- I mean, you know, obviously Cersei and her children are like quote unquote Baratheons. Um, but he's he actually the, the only one with a legitimate claim to the throne, as Ned pointed out. He kind out. of is, yeah. So, um, I mean, he's a bastard, but I mean, he's the closest to a legitimate thing to the throne. Um, but of course, the Targaryens are coming back, and then they're going to be like, no, actually, we are. Um, but <laughs> in any case, uh, one thing I want to say about the scene, I really liked Jamie being the one. He usually doesn't try and be in front and center on things like this, and he really was the one who tried to address Tommen, tried to figure out what was going on. 
um, and uh, and and talk in front of everyone. And it's just I don't know. It's it's something that he doesn't normally do. Uh, and the result of it is that he's banished um, to I guess go and serve the king and try and take. Uh... Well, I guess we'll, we'll t- it comes up a little bit later. But he does get banished in this scene. Um, yeah, I love this scene because it. It's like it's the Sarbariston ex- scene. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. It it's like it reminded me so much of that scene from season one, which uh, is which awesome. Really, really, yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought so like I, and the way I and like he almost I think it's he definitely throws his armor off in the yeah an intentional callback to that for sure. Uh, he throws and, it off in the same way. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it might be like even a frame for frame <laughs> recreation of that moment. Right, right, right. <laughs> which is cool, um, and, he's, there, and it's just like his looking at him like, "What are you doing? You know, why are you doing this?" Which is what Sarbariston said. Um, well, yeah, Sir Barristan was a little, you know... He was more angry. Yeah, unkind uh, to to Joffrey in a way that Jamie isn't to Tommen. But, you know, reflective of how both of those characters are so different from their counterparts in this scene. Right, yeah, they're all different, but, I mean, it, the iconography is definitely the same. And, that, and it's cool. I like the uh, the visual parallels there. Um, so it's cool. Uh, and then, uh, sp- so I have a note just saying, still no Dorn, which is great. And then, um, yep. moving on. Uh, <laughs> so... Do people in this? I guess it, this has happened before now, but I just—it's funny to me that people in Game of Thrones call it the Red Wedding. <laughs> like, why would you ever call it the Red Wedding in the show, in the, this universe? Because people died, I guess. But it's just funny because it—it's the kind of thing you use to call or refer to a narrative event, but you wouldn't use—you wouldn't call a narrative event like. In the real world, when something you know horrible happens, you know, like let's say nine eleven or something, we you know the the date, or you know Pearl Harbor because it's a location, but like the Red Wedding. That's something that like that's, that's a very medieval fantasy thing, though. I feel like you know yeah. the show had like the War of Five Kings and like uh, the Battle of whatever and yeah, but those but those also came up within the I don't know did they do it in the in the books before fans started calling it the Red Wedding? Um, because I feel I don't like remember. It became that, and then it sort of—I don't know—it gives me the impression that that's it was the order was sort of flipped, where it was like the fans called it that, then the characters in the books started calling it that. I don't know if that's true, but in the show, it it felt like that to me, and I'm probably just making that up. But it's just yeah, funny when he remember. calls it the that's, Red Wedding that's twice, <laughs> and I'm like, I mean, okay. I get it though, because like, are you gonna call that's the other kind thing of the you, wedding now? It's such an iconic moment that like that's kind of how you have to refer to it, you know? Like what else? If you're gonna call it anything, well, you, you have say to when call we, it I mean, every other murder in the show, they say when we killed, you know, when we killed the Starks and when we killed. But this you know, is a, whatever. but this is like a, you know, but it's, it's not, it's has a greater significance to, than that, you know, both narratively and in the world of the show. So yeah. I, it, it, I think it makes sense to me that they would have, you know, like we say, like 9/11 or something. This is a moment right. of tremendous significance for this country. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I don't know. I just found it. I just I just found it funny when he he called it that. But uh, yeah, didn't think I was gonna. We were gonna see Walter Frey again. Um. Actually, there was a lot of things in this scene I didn't think we'd see again. I don't think uh, he's left that chair once in the entire his entire you know career of this he's show. He's just chilling, you know, um, and making disgusting comments uh, about his wives, and uh, it's just horrifying. Um, he has his sons there, and then also um, they have this whole moment where they bring out this Lord Edmure guy. Yeah, I have... speaking of another another loose end, they're bringing back. Okay, who is that? Because I was like, I've. I, he looks familiar. I think I know that actor. I have no idea who this character is. Well, like they say, it's um, what like he said. He, what Walter Frey says in the scene is, you know, people forget who was getting married at the red wedding, and it was Edmure. Oh, he was the one who was getting married. Yeah. Oh, but I thought, but he didn't actually die. 
No, because remember they carry they carry him out. Uh, uh, they carry him and, and his wife uh, out of the room as as is Westeros custom uh, before the murder went down. I'm glad he clarified that it was not Rob's wedding, just because I think people have confused that. I know I have in the past, um, but yeah, Edmure, that whole thing was bizarre to me. So he, and what's he? Edmure, what's his last name? What's Tully? Oh, he's a Tully. So he's related to Cat. Yeah, well, he's uh, he's the son of son of the Blackfish, I think. Okay, so he's gonna be like a so he's Cat's chip, like cousin, I think. Okay, so he's like a, a bargaining chip of some sort. Basically, yeah. Or a nephew or something. Yeah, okay, all right, that makes more sense. All right, so he's a Tully. That's really the important thing. Um, yeah, so that was just funny to me that this was uh, they just bring this character out, and I'm sure like 95 percent of people were like, uh, what? Who is this guy? <laughs> yeah, well, it's also I also like that they reference in this scene that um. The northern houses are kind of abandoning the phrase. Oh because yeah, because the, the Brotherhood without banners are rallying commoners against them. Well, so two um, things happen. We know that they lost, and this, by the way, this conversation was funny. That you, you know, you lost the Blackfish. You didn't lose. Was it River Run that they? Yeah. Uh, you didn't lose River Run. You, you know, it was taken from you. Like it was a thing um, that happened. That was that was a funny conversation. Uh, but that's a whole thing that happened off screen. Of course, they're not going to show this whole battle. But I kind of wanted to see that. That sounds cool. Mm. Blackfish has been busy, uh, and then we find out again, yeah, that Sansa and 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 John or somebody is managing to get a bunch of the northern houses together, and that things are going on, and we're not seeing any of it. We don't see John or Sansa at all. This yeah, well, we haven't show. seen the Brotherhood in a long time since like season two or three, I think. Right, and that's also yeah, exactly. So uh, it's interesting to see this. Uh, this so is it is the Brotherhood? Are those the people that fought under the Lannister banner? They were the people who um, are. They intersected with Arya's storyline, like around. Oh, season them. Two or okay, three. right, right, right. Uh, like I think. I was confusing pie. them with the people Tyrion met when he was on his way to see Tywin. Oh no, those are like the. Uh, like the hill people. Yeah, the hill people. Yeah. We, who again? We haven't heard from in forever. Probably. Or they were hilarious, back. and I would not be sad if they showed up again. Yeah, that would I be that would be a great callback. And they're funny too because they're like wildlings, but not wildlings. So yeah, they're yeah. great. I like them. Uh, but like less hardcore. They're just kind of like <laughs> chilling. <laughs> so that's cool. Uh, and then uh, so we get some. So yeah, so there's that, that's going on, and I think that's cool that it's happening um, beyond the scope of the show. But also, uh, yeah. Well, I, I want to talk about Sansa very briefly at the very end because I have a question for you. Uh, somebody mm-hmm. alerted me too and freaked me out. So I want to do that uh, when we get there. Um, but first, uh, back to Jamie, uh, who is discussing what he's going to be. Well, first he's talking about like what he wants to do because he's furious, um, and he's talking to Cersei, uh, and he mentions Bronn, who I completely forgot about. And uh, yeah, I'm excited. If I was, I was so really hard. pumped to see him again, but then Cersei shoots him down. Yeah, so I guess we're not. Well, maybe he'll find him anyway and bring him with to fight. Oh, I hope so. I hope so. Right? That's yeah. cool. I mean, clearly. Because, you know, it was sort of implied in the very beginning that they had a sort of a, a mercenary relationship that wasn't totally, um, it wasn't like real friendship, but it, that's definitely grown into something more than that, uh, which is cool. I like that. I like the fact that they, you know, he's thinking of Bronn specifically. It's not just because he's a great fighter and the rest of it. He actually wants, you know, he wants him on his side. He likes him. Um, so that's kind of cool. Uh, but I like, you know, and so they have this whole conversation, and then it, you know, it looks like uh, Jamie's going to lead this fight to um, to go to retake River Run, and also I find it a little funny that 
you know, I know she, you know, Cersei feels like it should be the Lannisters and it's under the Lannister banner and that's important to them. And it's an important stronghold and the rest of it. But also, like, you know, the phrase purpose was to do what they did and they're kind of irrelevant at this point. And Walter Frey's going to die soon and the kids seem completely useless. I, I would just wait for them to die and figure it out on their own and be like, you know, tough luck, see you later, we'll go and deal with it when we need to, but for now, you know... Doesn't Walter Frey say in this episode or in a previous episode, like, people have been waiting for me to die for a long time? Yeah, it's true. That's true. He has, you know, and I think uh, Balon also said something similar. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, that's definitely true, but, you know, or have arranged to have him killed or do something. I mean, it's just, it's not like, it's not even like, ba- first of all, Balon was not, I didn't think Balon was going to uh, be outlived by Walder Frey. I did not think that was going to happen. <laughs> um, surely you can do something to do away with Walder Frey, and then it's just a house with no real leader and a bunch of, you know, idiots. So I I, I don't know why they're cleaning up the Frey's messes anymore, in other words. Like, the Lannisters have other stuff to deal with. Um, well, the, the Frey's, I guess, are ostensibly still a powerful house who you don't want to... Even if you don't... I, I, I doubt the Lannisters give a shit about the Frey's, but they're your allies, so you kind of have to at least make a sure, show yeah. of supporting them. I guess. I, I don't know, but they throw people under the bus all the time. I don't know why they would That's be true. like, you know, who cares? Why, you know, or, or you know, the phrase, it's on them to go and retake and deal with this whole thing. I st- certainly wouldn't send my lover, brother, you know, the father of my children or remaining child off to go and deal with the situation, especially since he can barely fight anymore. I, that seems like a weird choice to me. Um, yeah. Although she seems to think it's going to be like a walk in the park. She's like, because you can and it'll be fine. Uh, okay. This yeah. is a military genius, apparently, that he's going up against. And, like, Jamie's good, but he's, you know, missing an arm and can't fight anymore. Uh, and I guess he's a tactician, but, you know, he also got caught by Rob Stark and yada, yada, yada. He's not, you know, I don't know why she thinks this is going to go off without a hitch. Um, yeah, so this was this was a bizarre scene. And the other thing that's funny is that she still thinks the High Sparrow is going to be down with a co- uh, trial by combat. I don't know why she thinks that's what's going to happen. Well, I guess, you know... Why would he ever allow that? Well, we haven't seen anything that suggests that he wouldn't. This has been the law. This is the law. Because he's going to come up with something like, oh, I mean, it's the same stuff. Why would he... He knows he would lose against the mountain, no matter who we put against. I wouldn't be so sure. What? Nothing. Never mind. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. Oh, okay. All right. Well, maybe there's a different <laughs> thing going on. Um, maybe, maybe. But she just seems so convinced by it. And, like, if there's something that you know about, that's fine. But she doesn't. So I don't know why she would rely on this very precarious plan of, you know, if he, allowed, he does the trial by combat, certainly I'd put the mountain out. But, you know. Um, in any case, that's a separate thing. Um, so from there, uh, we have a brief... Oh, well, we get the Benjen reveal, I think. Did we get the Benjen reveal here? Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So at this at this point, I was like, "Oh, blood of my blood." They're doing the Benjen thing and all the rest of it, and um, with a lot of characters like that, and this a lot of links between uh, relatives in these in these uh, throughout this entire episode. But I think this was one of the big ones um, where you know Bran really realizes, "Oh, this is another Stark, and he's not alone out here," which is kind of cool. Um, I like that Dragon La- Dragonglass stops White Walker magic, but apparently doesn't kill you. That's also bizarre. Like, yeah. I don't know how you stab yourself with an obsidian dagger and you're turning and that you somehow don't die and you continue to be 
alive or a zombie or like you have enough zombie in you to stay alive or i don't know the whole thing was kind of bizarre to me that's the rules as we said are are kind of strange here <laughs> yeah uh, um but yeah so this is just a brief scene though uh before we go back to uh to essos which is where we conclude the episode yep so uh, uh this scene how'd you feel about it <laughs> I, here's how I feel about it. I feel like they could have spliced in uh, one of the million other times we've seen this exact same scene in the show, <laughs> and no one would have noticed. How they should have played. Have we they seen... should have replayed last week's episode or scene again, just yeah, right? to see if anyone noticed. Yeah, it's like how many times have we seen Daenerys give this identical speech? Right. Well, I mean, I guess the blood rider thing was slightly different, but also, what's the significance of saying you're all my blood riders? Okay. But the point of the Blood Riders <laughs> is that you have a couple of very talented people to specifically be your guard. Yeah. Right? Yep. So making everyone your Blood Rider is just stupid. That's like making the whole country your secret service. Yeah, right? It's... Yeah, it's uh, but I think you're missing the point of secret service. <laughs> <laughs> like, you've completely missed it. Um, I mean, it's a cool moment. And by the way, the dragon looked great. This whole scene was... I yeah, was dragon very, looked fantastic. It worked really well. Um... And I like that she's, you know, she's doing her own thing as she usually does, and uh, ignoring Dario Naharis entirely because he doesn't know what he's talking <laughs> about. And that's all great. I also find it interesting that she says, "I want a thousand ships," um, to which I'm sure all of Slavers Bay is going to say, "Well, that would have been easy when we had slaves, but now <laughs> we don't." <laughs> um, but it is a bay, and they do have shipbuilders and stuff, so I'm sure they'll be able to figure that out. Also, um, yeah. Well, also, by the way, um, what did we hear? Um... Euron say. Euron say right. two weeks ago right. he's going to build an identical amount of ships and and sail to Daenerys. Yeah, it seemed like so he, I he would, knew exactly what she needed. Yeah, that would be interesting if the, if near the end of the season he shows up like, hey, were you ships. looking for these? Right, right, exactly. And it seems like that's what they're building towards, consider, uh, building toward considering that's exactly what he said before. Um, so that's yeah. kind of cool. Well, how, I don't. How is he going to get a thousand ships? Like, I don't know the. I don't know that there's a thousand people on Pike. Well, as you only I, ever see like twenty people. Well, as I pointed to, well, and also, you know, as I said last week, you know, it's like build me a thousand ships doesn't make it happen. Yeah. You know, you can't just make you require people to build something for you. Um, but anyway, so well, and it was funny. I sent you that image um, just in a private message, but you know, like that image, you know, build a thousand ships on a island that doesn't appear to have any trees on it yeah it's just rocks <laughs> and that's because they decided to shoot there i'm sure pike in the books maybe has forests i don't know but in the show it just looks like cliffs so i don't know what their plan is there um by the way i love the way it looks in the show it looks beautiful and it looks mm. totally like what you would expect the Greyjoy, you know homeland to look like but again building ships requires wood and you need to build them out of wood from trees and there's no trees there so um so that, i thought that was funny but again um this was the same daenerys setting we've got a thousand times as you said um it was better i think it was better than last week and it was better just in general because it was or sorry not last week two weeks ago i keep saying last week two weeks ago uh where she knocked over the fire whatever but i don't know why you couldn't just have the dragon fly in and breathe fire on the place in the first place. Why did we need to have two yeah, that, scenes uh, like this? Yeah, that's what we said at that scene. Yeah. Like, it doesn't. Why wouldn't that be the moment when Drogon comes back if you're going to have the scene be the place catches on fire? If you're going to do it anyway, exactly. You don't have this awkward moment where she's, like, pushing over Brazier's. Why? It's, yeah, it's bizarre. Um, yeah, so it was less stupid, but it's the same thing. Uh, so getting into the uh, very end of this. So, it, it, again, 
good moment, and I clearly there's going to need to be two more dragon riders for the other dragons, and I'm excited to see how that goes down. Um, maybe they'll escape, and one will go and find John or find someone else, and Tyrion will take the other one, or I don't know. Who knows what's going to happen? Just throwing out ideas. Um, but I do want to ask you one thing about Sansa. Yeah. Here's my question. She says something, I think maybe it's last episode, about how she feels it with her every day, her, uh, you know, her time with Ramsay. Mm-hmm. And uh, someone threw out the idea that she might be pregnant. Mm-hmm. And uh, that freaked me out. It's <laughs> like, maybe. I mean, um, it's not impossible. It's not. And it would be very interesting uh, if that were the case. Um, I don't know how much time the show has to reveal that, though. You know what I mean? I know. Well, I mean, again, when you have floating timelines that don't seem to match up in any way, shape, or form, I, you can do really whatever you want. Apparently, she's yeah, rallied a bunch one... of houses in like one week or one day, or you know, but it's been months. I don't know. I have no idea. Yeah, that would be interesting. Yeah, uh, that wouldn't surprise me. That would be an interesting turn, and it would make it really personal. And then the other th- yeah. question about that is, we've assumed that John, because he's a bastard, will be the one to kill Ramsay, and also he's actually fights people, and Ramsay apparently can fight and lead armies or whatever. Uh, although we've never seen it, we just get told about it. Um, but wouldn't it make more sense if Sansa's the one to do it? I hope it is. I mean, I, you know, I, I, what I'm hoping for is a moment like we got last season with Brienne and Stannis where um, he's kind of, you know, she finds him bleeding out and she delivers the killing blow. That kind of thing. Yeah, in a really, like, horrible, cruel way. Right, right, yeah, exactly. That, that could be kind of interesting. The other possibility is that, uh, you know, Arya does it. Or Arya somehow ends up back and and does it. Um, yeah, I don't. Um, that Ar- I don't know if Arya can get back that fast. Well, well, the season, thing is, we're assuming that Ramsay's storyline is going to end this season, which I would be fine with. And fingers crossed. With, and we're we're all hoping for that, so we can have a clean <laughs> a clean final season that involves no Dorne and no Ramsay. Yeah. Um, because Dorne's going to fall in the ocean by the end of this season. We know that. I hope so. Um, that's been foreshadowed. <laughs> yeah, but hopefully we won't have to watch it. They'll we'll just find out about it. We'll just find out. Oh, by the way, Dorne fell in the ocean. Uh, uh anyway. Drug. <laughs> um, but yeah, so if Ramsey's storyline ends now, then yeah, for sure it won't be Arya. But that could be also an interesting sort of thing because I think um, basically I would be really down for Ramsey dying by a female character, preferably one she's sort of he's sort of screwed. And um, the other thing that's kind of interesting is that in the books, as we said, he's with a Arya's doppelganger, so it may yep. be in the books it is Arya who ends up um, killing him. Oh, that would be interesting, yeah. Uh, which would be different than whatever happens in the show, uh, presuming it goes the way we were thinking. So that's it's just kind of an interesting idea. But if she is pregnant, I think that'll make things very interesting. It would also kind of, I don't know, sort of semi-explain why she's so anxious to move quickly and deal with the situation. Um, I mean, she seems very intent on, you know, she's the one who's pushing John to, like, deal with it. And uh, it's mm-hmm. kind of... It might it might provide a motivator, and it, and they've sort of hinted that that might be the case, and they've brought up again just to remind you that he, you know they you know slept together very you know he assaulted her a bunch of times, so it's very likely that that is a possibility in the you know in the storyline, um, which would make things you know complicated. Um, so possible. Uh, the last thing I wanted to bring up, or you actually brought it up to me, but I wanted to just quickly mention is uh, we just found out that season seven. Will only be what seven episodes long? Yep. So uh, that indicates that it's probably going to be a split season, split final season, like Breaking Bad and Mad Men and uh, The Sopranos. The Sopranos. Yeah. yeah. So 
that's kind of interesting. Um, I'm down for that. I I guess if you have a lot you want to cram in, it makes sense. And if you shoot it all at once, then you can just dole it out whenever you want. And it gets them to keep their ratings longer. Because, like, I don't know, it was like two weeks ago, they had the highest ratings they've had, you know, third highest ratings ever in Game of Thrones. So, like, clearly people are still watching. Uh, and and uh, their ratings are soaring like crazy. And it's it's going great. So I can see why they would want to do this. But I, I like, and I like the idea of a 14-episode final season to really let them play out their finale. Yeah, yeah. Um, without cramming it in. So it's not like when you have a whole new season, you feel like you have to introduce a whole bunch of new narratives and storylines and really pick things up. Um, but when you separate one season to two, um, so it's just like a, re- a really long single season, then it doesn't feel like you have to, with, with whatever, let's say they do an eighth season, which I think they probably will, they won't feel like, oh, we have to generate a whole bunch of new storylines for this. We can just... Yeah, you know, whatever. And the other thing I think that they're 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 thinking about here is they're gonna end the seventh episode on some crazy cliffhanger, I'm sure, if they're gonna do that eighth season and so they're gonna have mm. everyone hooked in for whatever's gonna happen. Oh yeah, yeah. Um which'll again generate the piece the think pieces and all the <laughs> conversations and Twitter explosions and the rest of it. So yeah, there you go. Yep. Alright, so what's what do we have for next week? Next week is called The Broken Man. The and Broken Man. So, um, you know so, what this is? well, okay. So there's a speech in the books that a character gives that is, uh, it's you know, it's called by the fans the Broken Man speech because it's the kind of, it's what the speech is about. Um, very famous moment. It's you know an often quoted moment because it's a really great monologue, very well written. Um, it is delivered by a character who I believe Ian McShane is playing. Oh, okay. Um, I think this is going to be where his where our introduction to the, uh, that character. Um, the interesting thing about that character is that that character is tangen- is uh, related to another character who... Uh, here's all I'm going to say about it. There's a fan theory, a very, very popular th- fan theory. I know what you're talking is... about. <laughs> Oh, do you know what I'm talking about? I do. I don't want to spoil it for people, but yeah, I know what you're talking about. Okay. Because I read when people, he spoiled it, and also people talked about it. I think I read it on Slash Film or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, like, so, I'm excited for this episode. (laughs) I'll leave it at that. (laughs) Right, right, right. Yeah, so this relates to another character that we, I don't don't want to talk about, but, um, yeah, so it's, uh, it could be very interesting. And by the way, regardless of whether or not it's interesting, Ian McShane is awesome. And yeah, right. I'm excited I, to see him. He's fantastic. And did you ever watch? You never watched Deadwood, right? No, I still haven't gotten around to still it. Still haven't watched it. Oh my gosh, I feel like we should do a Deadwood podcast. I think you would. I would be. I would be down for that for sure. I. It's seriously. You remember how good season one of Game of Thrones was? Yeah. It's like that for three seasons. It's so <laughs> good. And then it. And then they canceled it, so it couldn't even get bad. Yeah. At least to me, maybe you won't feel the same way. But uh, it, it's. It's really fantastic, and I really don't think um, a lot of the problems we have with Game of Thrones, you know, like the random nudity for no reason and all the rest of it, doesn't actually happen all that much, as I mentioned before on Deadwood. So, yeah, it's cool. definitely uh, it's definitely worth watching, I think. That would be fun to do in the uh, in the off-season of Game of Thrones. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, we're going to run out of Game of Thrones at some point, I'm sure. <laughs> um, or they'll keep uh, milking this, uh, this world. I guess they could do it forever if they wanted to. Yeah, I guess so. Um, All right, so The Broken Man, uh, join us next week, and we'll discuss that episode. Thank you so much for joining me.